The other tenant that is really near and dear to me, and I have actually, I have uh, 10 of them, but the one that's near and dear to me is to choose love. I have a friend, Ben, who's a brilliant creative director, a brilliant leader who said once that every creative decision that you make and every commercial decision you make is either a decision to love people or to use them. <laughs> really, that really struck me in a profound way um, in the sense that, you know, I, I think that I, I want to be... I, personally aspire to be the kind of person who chooses on a daily basis to use the work that I create as a way to love people, which means sacrificing for them. It means choosing to do what's right for them, even when it's at personal cost um, and not seeing people as transactions, but see them as, you know, people that I can you know, sort of pour myself out and serve uh, and, and try to love through the work that I create every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to season three of the Story Podcast. We have some incredible interviews recorded and in the pipeline for this season that are going to not only inspire you, but give you practical advice and takeaways to help you do your best, most creative work as storytellers. I am Harris III, and I'm so excited to be back at the mic bringing this content to you guys. I thought that a great way to kick off this season is the same way we kick off each year at Story Now, and that is with some highlights from our annual virtual pep talk. Each January, we gather virtually online to just sort of touch base with some of your favorite story presenters to see what they learned over the past year and what they're thinking about and processing that we can learn from as they head into a new year of creative work. And get ready, it's a packed episode number one with multiple guests here on season three of the Story Podcast. While story invites us to ask powerful questions, your life and your story are shaped by the questions you ask. Where is your curiosity pointing? What is the story that you ache to tell? The only way to become a better storyteller is by telling more stories. To be a writer, we have to sit down and we have to do the work and we don't get up until it's finished. Your greatest work may not be seen by millions of people. Keep making anyway. Rise up, artists. Your canvas is the consciousness of this generation. The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be storytellers. I was so excited to kick off this year's virtual pep talk with the veteran Disney producer of films like The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, and so much more. Ladies and gentlemen, Don Hahn. Are yeah. you at your office, your studio, or I, you at home? I'm at my uh, studio, which you've been to. Yes, I have. I don't recognize that space. Where is that room? Uh, I, it's, it's, I'm at my desk. Um, I, I just bought some pipes from a pipe organ in, in, um, in England, and so that's what these are behind me here and those are new so they're they're like 19th century um pipes from a pipe organ because don't we all need some um <laughs> that threw me off there has to be a story there though or do you have a thing for pipe organs my mom was an organist at church and i always uh fondly all pipe organs and what's really great is if you take this off the wall and blow in them you actually get the note that it's tuned for so and i also got a new uh a new african mask for christmas which i bought myself because it's hard to put on your I want Christmas list along with wallets and neckties. You want a, a tribal mask. So uh, I have a brand new uh, tribal mask. I, I, can't, I can't wait to come back. That thing is filled with treasures. And by that thing, I mean your studio. Uh, yeah. People walk in and they go, it's, 
it can easily be a museum, but it can easily be a garage sale. You know, it kind of walks that razor's edge between, uh, it could easily go wrong at any minute, and I'm aware of that, so. <laughs> I'm curious, though, that it's obviously intentional. Do you buy this stuff for you, or is it, you feel like being surrounded by it all has an influence on your creative process and storytelling? I try to have things that I like to see, and I try to have things that are uh, personal. So I have a lot of uh, you know things that wouldn't have value to other people, like my mom's vacuum cleaner or my grandpa's uh, fishing rod or something like that. But there's kind of good energy coming off of everything. And um, I wanted a place that was just a good, comfortable uh, place where nothing is assaulted, where everything feels warm and uh, accessible. And uh, so, you know, a lot of it is just stuff that most people would have in their garage uh, or would have sold long ago. Uh, but then the sad thing is I live close to the Rose Bowl and, and they have a swap meet every uh, month. And I end up going down there and buying like, look, honey, I got a new Chinese bucket. Um, so it's, it's a so lobster you get, trap. You get the studio because your wife was like, you can't do this at home anymore. It's getting out of control. And so you're like, okay, I'm just going to go get my own space. Well, she didn't say that, but it was implicit uh, in the conversation. <laughs> we, I, we have a really nice, very clean uh, mid-century modern house. It looks like Mr. Incredible's house. And so the, the junk doesn't go in there as well. And, um, and so I thought, well, I, I need an office, but I didn't want to go to an office building. So that's why I got this kind of uh, elaborate barn set up here that I work out of. It, it all makes sense now. I haven't seen your house, but now I understand why uh, your giant coffee table book about mid-century art yeah. and things yeah. from that era. Now I understand the connection. Yeah, so that my studio and my junk is actually saving my marriage. So. <laughs> well, it's the new year. Um, yeah. Obviously, the purpose of this is to maybe try to pull out some little nugget. Are you are you traditionally a New Year's guy? Are you the type that's like, oh, I can't wait. It's a new year. I'm setting some goals, thinking about what I learned last year, reflecting, or is it, you know, it's just another month? I probably am a little bit of a New Year's guy, but I, it depends year to year. I, I usually feel pretty optimistic around the holidays, mixed with big buckets of apprehension and fear. But I feel like it's um, a good time to kind of just reevaluate re where you are. And I, I'm not the kind of person that's going to go join a gym. <laughs> I've tried that for years, and I think you can see the results. Um, but I'm, I'm more likely to... Uh, you know, just kind of renew my interest in projects we're doing and think of new projects that would be fun to do in the new year. And, um, you know, kind of ask yourself if you're doing okay for uh, where you are in life. And that's, those aren't easy questions and there's no answers to them, by the way, but just to be able to kind of review those things is uh, important. Yeah, you said fear and apprehension. Are you telling me at this age, after this successful of a career, you're still struggling with fear and apprehension? Yeah, absolutely. You know, here's the thing. You, you either feel like you're, you've got to make it someday. So you're going to throw yourself into your work 100%, which I think everybody does uh, if they're able to. And that is full of fear and apprehension. And then if you're fortunate and you, like I've been really fortunate and work with some great people and you feel like, oh my gosh, I've won the lottery a couple of times and that's been really good. And then the big question is, especially as you get older for, for most of us elderly folks, uh, is what am I having for breakfast? And um, what do I do next? What's your next act? Is there a, is there a second act to Don's life? And that becomes a, a bigger question. To answer that question, Don says he throws himself into projects that seem almost too daunting and overwhelming from the outside just to make sure he's still got it. 
He calls it digging a hole and seeing if he can climb out of it. He's not a big planner. He goes off intuition, trusting his gut and, well, seeing what happens. He's a very in the moment sort of guy. What about looking back? How much time do you spend reflecting back on the previous project or the previous year? Or is it just, it's done, I shipped it, washed my hands of it, and it's time to move on? I'm pretty forward looking. You know, I think on every project, and I think this goes for all of us, is you you have a general feeling like it worked out okay. You have some regrets over things that don't. I remember hearing the old animators at Disney talk about Snow White and just like, yeah, it was a really good movie, but I just, you know, if I could just redo that one scene, I'd be happy because it wasn't very well drawn. And that scene in Dumbo, I could have redone that. So there's always regrets about uh, what it is, even though people may perceive it as being, you know, perfect or whatever. But then, no, I think pretty, I don't have a big rear view mirror in my life. I, I tend to try to move forward as haltingly and uh, clumsily as I can. Well, knowing that there's other storytellers, I don't, I don't know. I guess it's hard to predict how they're all feeling because they're all in different places and different seasons. So as best you can, is there any, like just one piece uh, of advice that you can give them? We tend to be, I think, a little bit more open-minded sometimes going into a new year. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a sense of like, they've been reflecting a little bit and figuring out what they want. Maybe they're more open to thinking differently at this time. What would you want to say to them or encourage them with? Oh, well, it's difficult because I think the biggest thing I always struggle with is, uh, is my point of view worthwhile? You know, if, is, uh, my story that I'm telling or something that I'm doing, um, that might be really personal to me, is anybody going to care? So you have to be willing at some point to write a story or tell a story for an audience of one, if that's what it comes down to. Like, will you tell your story, regardless of uh, if it's seen by a billion people or or two people? And that's always a struggle because we always are saying, well, gee, if, you know, Netflix is buying this kind of movie right now. So I think we'll write this kind of movie. And so-and-so is buying romantic comedies. So I think I'll write a romantic comedy that's okay, and and sometimes that works. I think the the more deeply personal your writing or painting or whatever you're doing is, uh, you feel vulnerable, but what's gonna come out on the page is gonna be better and more interesting. Because nobody has your point of view but you. And that's hard to do. You, you, you know, you're sitting there by yourself, if you're a writer, you're really by yourself, and you're going, does anybody care if I, you know, write this piece of dialogue or if I write this, I can just, I'm just gonna go home and lie down. Um, so it, it's about trying to get a, um, enough of a confidence to say, well, screw everybody else. I need to write this, you know, write this piece of dialogue, or if I write this, I can just, I'm just going to go home and lie down. Um, so it, it's about trying to get a, um, enough of a confidence to say, well, screw everybody else. I need to write this. You may not need to see it, but I need to write it. I need to get it off of my chest. It needs to be a cathartic process. If somebody buys it, great. If nobody buys it, equally as great. Um, and there's other jobs we do to pay the bills. You know, we, there's no question if somebody comes in and says, I I need you to write a 30-second commercial for diapers, you're going to write it because you need to pay the bills. But uh, there's a, there's that kind of soulful writing you do that tells your own story and, um, and gets it off your chest. And that's hard because there's always that uh, voice in the back of your mind. That, that's I've read some great books on painting where it says... Um, you're only really painting once all those voices disappear. So you have the voice of your mom, you have the voice of your dad, you have the voice of your teacher. Uh, everybody's in the back of your head going, eh, that's, you know, you didn't conjugate that verb properly and you didn't really write that. And you can really go back and edit that paragraph. And 
that's really no good. And you've just wasted uh, 10 hours of your time on that paragraph. And so all those voices are in the back of your head and my head too, just saying, uh, give it up. And so once you can get rid of those voices and say, well, no, I'm not gonna give it up. I'm gonna write for me and have a personal uh, point of view in terms of what it's like to walk in my shoes, what it's like to be me and put that on a page, that's gonna be where you should be. And that's a, that's a, a step of artistic bravery because that doesn't involve money. It doesn't involve fame. It doesn't involve anything. It just involves personal expression. But that's that's being a true artist. Now, there's there's being a craftsman. You have to know your craft. Uh, there's being a commercial craftsman. You have to earn money doing something. But um, the art of it is where we all kind of live. And you have to get those voices out of your head and just say, you know, nobody may care about what I'm writing, but but I sure care about it. And my characters really care about it. If I don't give them a voice, they're going to be pissed. So I'm going to go in and give my characters a voice. I'm going to tell their story. I'm going to breathe life into them. I was just listening to a masterclass by Ken Burns. He said, what I really do is bring people back from the dead. I'll bring Lincoln back from the dead. I'll bring the Roosevelt's back from the dead. And he does. That's, that's what we're doing. We're bringing characters back from the dead and just saying, you know, we're, we're writers. We're going to breathe life into you. And, and you're going to live on my page because if I don't do it, nobody else will. You know, you're able to do that as a writer and a storyteller. And that's uh, high calling. That's amazing. And I think the bonus, the bonus advice in there is just noticing that you, even at your level of success, are still learning by watching Ken Burns masterclasses. Oh, I'm addicted to masterclasses and I have nothing to do with them at all except to, to plug them to say, um, to be able to go on and listen to Ken Burns for a couple of hours, talk about his process and have him say, I, when I started this, I didn't know what I was doing. And he says in his first uh, piece, a storyteller's job is to take the audience to hell and then slowly bring them back. And I thought, well, that's everything. That's everything. It's like uh, that's conflict. Good. And so you think, well, does that apply to my work? You know, I'm, I'm making a cartoon about a guy that stepped in gum. No, <laughs> it sounds true. <laughs> but he just, his take is, no, you have to take the audience to hell and back, literally. And to do that, you need to dive deep into the souls of your characters. And uh, and that means research. That means craft. That means long edits that need to be culled down. That means all, you know, the whole process. I just think that's a great definition of uh, what a, a good story is, is grabbing the audience, the reader, the film going audience, whoever it is by the hand, and just say, you know, trust me for a little while here. We're going to go on a trip of your lifetime, and I'm going to take you to a place that you're not going to go by yourself. But... I'm confident enough that I can take you there. And then you just jump into the hole and, and uh, help the audience get in and out of it. Oh man, that's so good. I think that applies to every form of storytelling too, whether it's writing film or even hopefully a conference, you know, that's I hope that's what we attempt to do at story uh, is take people on one of those kind of journeys and not just transmit information to them. Um, and now that I know that you watch master classes, I know I've been emailing you about possibly doing a master class with story workshop sort of thing. I'm going to use that as sort of ammo to get. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. If I have enough to say, I'll absolutely do it because, um, you know, I, it's not that I have a particular right way or a uh, insight into the right way to create. I just think the I've been lucky enough to work with some amazing people, whether it's writers or songwriters or, we just did a film about Howard Ashman, the lyricist that wrote all the songs for Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. These guys were really special and, and uh, I was lucky to hang out with them and to be able to share some of that is uh, really fun. 
I saw something yesterday. I may be one of your speakers, and he was saying, uh, "Be the person that you needed when you were young." That was Brad Montague. That was Brad, and I saw that, and I thought, I think that's Brad, and I thought <laughs> that's the most wisdom I've ever seen. Is you know, if I were twenty years old and stumbling out of college and thinking, "I well, now what?" So I'm trying to be that to myself and to other people is saying like, oh, can I give you a leg up on your horse here so you can ride? If there's bits of that I can do, it's, um, I think that's exactly what I should be doing right now. Well, you've used a word repeatedly and it's lucky. And every time I talk to someone who's at your season of life, that's the word they always choose to use. I never really feel like I agree with it. Um, maybe there's a little bit of luck in there, but uh, you know, it's obviously because you also have a good healthy dose of talent and character and integrity and people just love working with you. And um, we've had a blast um, just partnering with you for speaking at story again this year. It was a huge hit. People learned so much and I still hear in person, you know, even around town in Nashville or when I travel, if I bump into someone who was at story this year, it's just like, Oh my gosh, that talk from Don Han. It was, I just learned so much. So Oh, that's great. Thank you for your generosity and uh, best of luck, I guess, on uh, your 2019. <laughs> Thanks. Same to you and, and your new baby, too, which is so exciting. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Okay. Don Hahn, um, the legend. Um, so sorry that I had to be pre-recorded. He sends his apologies as well. But the content was there. So valuable. Uh, I've just bummed that we didn't have a chance to ask him some questions live, but um, we now have an excellent surprise for you guys because so so much of the people are like, how do you choose the people that are on this virtual pep talk? And um, sometimes it's based on availability and schedules, but really it's it's based on what people respond most to at Story. And I'm excited to let you know that we have a little surprise guest slipping in here for a few minutes, uh, Mr. Todd Henry, another one of our most well reviewed speakers from story 2018 what's up todd hey, i am a little bit sick and congested as you can probably hear uh exhausted yeah. i just had a third baby as don said um but other than that i'm great man happy new year happy oh, new i know year. we only have you for a few minutes because you got to jump into something else but thanks for jumping on here for a second yeah somebody had to follow <laughs> don and i guess i drew this Draw, right? <laughs> um, yes, yes. Well, I appreciate you you taking the fall. Uh, no, but you you came to mind because you always have incredible thoughts to share around, and maybe it's just because the way that you live, you just have an incredible body of work. You crank out creativity more consistently than almost anyone I know. Yeah. Um, when you'd asked me to, to jump on this, um, you know, I was just thinking about really the importance uh, in 2019. The things on my mind is understanding kind of creatively what I'm going to stand for and understanding um, sort of where I'm going to draw those battle lines. I know I spoke about that a bit at, at Story. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, the, the tool that's really helped me do that the most is a personal manifesto. It's a kind of a document that spells out what it is I want to stand for. Um, you know, I, I really believe that if you don't stand for something, um, you, you can't stand for everything, right? You have to have something you stand for. And if you don't stand for something, then you're not really going to stand for anything. Obviously, um, what's that old saying? If you, you've got to stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Uh, you know, so I, I think that um, one thing that I, I, I'm doing and I encourage everyone that I work with um, to do as well is just to think through, you know, what are those core set of tenets, those core set of principles that, are going to guide my work this year and then codify them, put them into some sort of personal manifesto, something that can kind of guide your creative decisions day to day. And this is especially true, by the way, for, for those of you who lead people, 
um, the people on your team need to see you making decisions from some sort of core, some sort of uh, formative core that defines who you are and what you really believe and what you stand for. And that's really the way that you earn trust creatively. It's a way that you inspire people to follow you if you're leading a team is by being consistent and having a framework for how you make decisions. But even individually, as, as a, an individual creator, understanding who you are and what you stand for is so, so critically important. So you write a manifesto each year or do you well, just revisit your manifesto? I have a manifesto that's been evolving over time and uh, yeah. I, mean, I, can, I can offer a couple of my tenants to you if it's helpful um, that sort of guide sure, my creating. So um, you know, one of them is bring your passion. You know, I talked about productive passion at Story and you know, a lot of people think you discover your passion, but I'm one of those that believes that you bring your passion to what you do. I believe that brilliant creative work is the accumulation of a lot of small victories over apathy. I think that it's the daily battle against apathy that eventually yields a body of work that you can point to with pride. And so one of my ambitions every day is I'm going to bring my passion. I don't care if I feel like it. I don't care if I, uh, I'm in the mood to create. doesn't matter. I'm going to bring my passion today. I'm going to plant my flag because I know that every day as I battle apathy in my life and all the ways that I see it, that eventually that's going to accumulate into something that, that really matters. Um, another one for me, and this may not be for everybody, it may just be because I'm not naturally cool. But, uh, you know, one of my tenets is do what works. Um, you know, I think coolness is overrated. I think that people who are chasing cool often are just chasing their own tail. And so my ambition is to do what works. You know, I aspire to be practical. I aspire to do what actually works for creatively, what works for people, what actually, is, you know, uh, yields the kind of work that I want to be known for um, instead of chasing, you know, chasing the opinions of others. And then um, the other tenet that is really near and dear to me, and I have actually, I have, uh, 10 of them. But the one that's near and dear to me is to choose love. I have a friend, Ben, who's a brilliant creative director, a brilliant leader, um, who said once that every creative decision that you make and every commercial decision you make is either a decision to love people or to use them. <laughs> really, that really struck me in a profound way um, in the sense that I want to be... Uh, personally aspire to be the kind of person who chooses on a daily basis to use the work that I create as a way to love people, which means sacrificing for them. It means choosing to do what's right for them, even when it's at personal cost um, and not seeing people as transactions, but see them as, uh, you know, people that I can you know, sort of pour myself out and serve uh, and, and try to love through the work that I create every day. And so, um, you know, that, that's sort of a framework that I try to use when I make something, uh, one, the sign off to my, my daily podcast is, uh, go make something you love for someone who will love it. And I think if we live by that ethic every single day to make something we love for someone who will love it, I think it's pretty hard to stray very far off course. If, if we use that as our core guiding ethic. Oh, dude, that's so good. That's so good. So it sounds like the practice is to the manifesto is not necessarily for your year. It is for your life. Now, if this is inspiring you to start creating your own tenets, fantastic. But Todd's advice is to pace yourself. This week, just take 20 to 30 minutes to write just one tenet, something that you can start implementing in your personal and professional life immediately. Once you've got that one down, add another one. Life transformation doesn't have to happen all at once. Writing one tenet at a time will help you stay focused. I need to keep reminding myself this. We need to stay in our lane, you know, keep focused on the thing that we're called to and not be envious of maybe what other people are called to, what's being called out of them, but instead just be grateful that we're called to something and that we have, that we have work to do today. Um, I think that's something we could be grateful for every day. Dude, that's so good. And 
I'm obviously not the good judge of cool because I don't feel like I'm that cool myself. But <laughs> my you are ridiculously cool. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks not just for being cool, but uh, doing great work and the way that you inspire all of us to do great work, man. We really appreciate you. And thanks for jumping on here at the last second. Yeah, but of course. It's so great to get the last second text. And um, hey, thanks for the great work that you do in the community you're building here at Story. Um, I just, I can't tell you, I mean, there are very few events, you know, uh, I mean, I fly in and out all over the world to speak at events. And um, I can probably list on one hand the number of events I've actually stayed for the duration of and actually participated and been profoundly moved. And Story 2018 had a profound impact on my life and my journey uh, in ways I didn't even expect. I knew it was going to be great, but I didn't expect it to be as as truly impactful as it was. So thank you for the work that you and the team do. It really is remarkable. And you're making, a, as as they say, a dent in the universe. So thanks for what you do. Man, thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, okay. I'll let you talk again next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that. We'll follow up afterwards. Awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, Happy man. New Year. All right. Happy New Year. All right. <laughs> Bye. Uh, hopefully you guys are seeing this now. sounds like I was the one having video problems earlier. Um, sounds like we have, we've had internet issues here at the office the last couple of days. Internet has been haunting us, guys. Crazy. Okay, no more delay. Uh, we're now going to jump to Susan Blackwell. Blew everyone away with an opening on Friday morning at Story 2018. Susan, are you there? She's in her spot. Girl, you know this is where the magic happens. Let's get this lined up. Hi, everybody. Uh, I was teasing her earlier because follow Susan on Instagram as I do, as you should, uh, for like the last 29 days, is it now? Um, every morning I've woken up to check Instagram and seen, hi guys, Susan Blackwell here in front of that staircase yep. in New York City. Doing what? A creativity challenge? Uh, what have you been doing? <laughs> I made up the hashtag Susan Blackwell creativity challenge because Harris, hi friends, hi friends, because um, I have this really action-packed 2018 and just so many great creative adventures, not to be braggy braggadocious, but just like really great um, film and TV opportunities and teaching and speaking and getting to come to story and sharing new work with people. And it was just this awesome thrill ride. And then Right before the holidays, right before Thanksgiving-ish, it kind of got got a little quiet. I got a little of the holiday sads, but mm. I've lived long enough to know that um, I can impact that narrative. So I was like, what would lift my sad, sorry little butt up? And I was like, I would be uplifted if I created something every day. But I also knew that I really, I really do well with external accountability. So I decided to go public with it, and I made up the very narcissistic hashtag, Susan Blackwell Creativity Challenge. But really, I just did that because I needed a unique hashtag that hadn't been used before. And I just invited people to sort of uh, walk this challenge with me from December 1st through tomorrow, through tomorrow. Just the, the imperative was just to attempt to make a little something creative every day. And we kept the definition of creativity really broad. It was um, Sir Ken Robinson defines creativity as applied imagination. And then I just added on that fights for the powers of good because I know like serial killers may be super creative, but I didn't want to energize that. So, <laughs> but it was this really, it really, um, the minute that I started it, it was just like good medicine. It just, I, my yeah. whole 
feeling about life and the world just totally shifted. And it was such a happy, it was just a happy, amazing, it's been a happy, amazing challenge time. It's been great. I love that so much. I know when we're busy talking to the camera, well, sometimes we miss the comments on the side. I don't oh, want you to miss this one. Someone said, William said, if story uh, 2018 only consisted of Susan's intro, it would have still been the best conference I ever attended. And that's a huge William, compliment. make out with me virtually. <laughs> Ooh, that's so nice. Um, I'm not just bringing it up to feed your ego, but it obviously means that you're very good at creating. And so what is it about those of us who create for a living that still have the need to do something like a 30 day creativity challenge? I am going to challenge the people that are on this right now to help me. I've been searching, searching for a word to describe the best I can come up with is creative satisfaction to describe the feeling when you're in creative flow, that sort of sense of, I, we've all heard this, but like, I'm exactly where I need to be. The time, time takes on a different sort of dimension. Transcend, if you saw my story, story, that space of transcendence, uh, that I feel like is that good medicine that all of us who even create professionally are seeking that, that space where you're just like, I'm exactly where I need to be right now. I feel, I feel complete. And there's something moving through me. There's something like a positive feeling moving through me. I need to come up with a better term than creative satisfaction because I don't think that quite gets it. I don't know the Holy spirit. I don't know, but it's something. And I think <laughs> Even if you, whether you are an everyday creative who does that professionally or just does it for your own satisfaction, I think that's why we still seek it and need something like something to keep us on course, or I, I, at least I do. Yeah. Uh, Sue Moore recommended creative gasm. <laughs> Sue, I also invite you to make out with me virtually. Creative gasm. <laughs> that's good, good work, Sue. You're a wordsmith. Susan has a post-it on her computer that says, create more, consume less. Uh, it's a reminder to her and to me that there will be more satisfaction in creating something than getting sucked into consumption mode. For many of us, that means less screen time, less shopping, less Netflix, cutting down on taking stuff in and starting to focus more on putting stuff out into the world. And she says it's not that consumption is bad, just that we increasingly tend to do it without thinking. I think it is about being very present and very intentional about the way that you consume. So instead of just falling into that like hypnosis of, oh, I want that little dopamine hit, so I'm just going to go into my phone, that sort of just thoughtless, habitual consumption I don't think is the best for me, just speaking for myself, but being more intentional, I really related to what Don was saying. I, um, the masterclass thing, things like this, where you intentionally are consuming this for your betterment, that feels better to me. I, I know I will always be imperfect around this because it is so enticing, but just yeah. being a little, uh, a little more thoughtful about the, the consumption. Yeah. Even if we just took, 15 minutes that we spend scrolling Instagram and reinvested that into watching one story talk or one Ted talk or 100%, 100%. Yes. 
So good. Well, we love you. We want to do more stuff with you. Um, I love you all. I look forward to it. 2019 of just making out. Yeah, with we'll all do people. a Susan Blackwell workshop. Uh, we'll do it in Nashville, maybe. Next year. Do it. I would love it. But thank you. Thanks for the creativity challenge. It's been fun to follow along. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for Story 2018. I want to double down on what's already been said. That experience was, that experience was a true highlight for 2018. And I love you. I love the whole story team. I love what you're making and what you're putting in the world. And I could not be more proud to be associated with it. So suck on that, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're awesome. We'll talk again soon. I'll see you in New York in Bye. a couple of months. Out. Oh, she is hilarious and never ceases to be entertaining. Thank you, Susan. We love you so much. Uh, next up is Vera. Vera is the creative director at IJM. You know, most people leave everyone at Story feeling like, oh my gosh, I can do anything. At the, Vera, at the end of your talk, I don't think anyone knew what to think or feel because everyone was just falling uh -huh. out. And, and Hi, everybody. I think, were, I think there were tears of inspiration that were blown away by you. Uh -huh. uh, and so thank you for, first of all, for all that you do. And thanks for joining us here today. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Every That was the highlight of my year too, um, Story 2018. You know the story of how I got there. <laughs> yeah, and I actually, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, um, but I think I know what one of the things you might mention over the next few minutes. Uh, and, and it's interesting because going back to what Todd was saying earlier, uh, you know, he takes the time to actually have a manifesto as he goes into the new year. Um, and you don't take the full manifesto route. Is that correct? Or maybe you do, but there's something in addition that you do if you do something like that and that it's something to do with a yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. I like to set a word for the year. Um, I love doing that as an intention. And it does, it kind of gets wrapped up into a bigger, um, a bigger narrative or a bigger story for the year. But uh, usually I try to boil it down to one word. Yeah. So what was your word for last year? And then if you're willing to share <laughs> for this year, because I've actually never, yeah. I've never tried this. I'm guilty. I've, I've heard this is a popular idea, people choosing mm -hmm. a word. Maybe this is the year I finally jump on the word. Yeah, totally. So I started doing this a couple of years ago and I did it in my 33rd year, which uh, it was funny because I just I just picked a, a word that I thought this is this is the year I want to show up. And I, I chose this word called arise. And throughout the year, what ended up happening was I was so much more aware of how that was playing out in my life. Um, and it wasn't anything that I, I was actively pursuing, but it just made me a lot more aware of how the how situations were showing up in my life and calling me to show up. And so that was a very cool year, I got invited to a lot of really fun things that I never thought um, I would be a part of. And so last year when I tried it, I said, you know, I, I started with where I wanted to end up, which was the word joy. And as I reflected on it, um, I wanted my year to be filled with joy. And I reflected on it. And I said, you know, I think there's some, some things that I have to work out to get to that, um, get to that intention. And so the word became voice. Um, and that to me felt a little bit scary, a little bit challenging. Um, I have been working on this assumption that my work should just speak for myself, for itself. I don't have to advocate for it. The work that we do at M is so moving and powerful that it's not about me and it's not about my voice. It's about what we're doing. And uh, throughout that just reflection, I realized it is about 
uh, how we how I show up for that through my voice. And then a week later, we talked and you invited me to speak at Story and I said, nope, I'm not going to do that. That's so scary. Um, and my friends, uh, my good friends were just like, that's really ironic because your word of the year is voice and you just got, in, you just got invited to use it. And so the next day I came back and said, sure, I, I think I need to do this. So this year, I, that's one thing that I would say about the word, um, the word intention. It should be scary. It should challenge you. It should make you feel a little bit nervous um, because it has to, it needs to move you to do something um, in the year. And so that's why I like it because it, it really sets the tone of the year uh, for me. And so I've been reflecting and thinking through what my 2019 word is. And I also started, I think, I thought maybe this might be the year of joy for many reasons. And then I realized, no, I think there's still some stuff to work out. And so I do, I chose, well, one of one of the words that a friend said, maybe your word of the year might be fight, which was a little bit scary to me because I've said in the past that I, I feel like I want to take up boxing and part of that is that of a fear of getting hit <laughs> and so it's like punched in the face and so it's like I should learn how to how to fight somebody <laughs> if that ever needed to happen um and that's a little bit of a the background of how I kind of form words of the year <laughs> but um I what I love about it what I love about the word fight is that there is a physicality to it there you need it's active um, I love that there's also a mental toughness to it. And so there's so many good things to fight for. It's not about fighting against. It's actually about fighting for. So what is it this year that I'm going to choose to fight for? Um, what issue? What person? What people? What, what do I love? How do you fight for myself? Like those all really, really challenging things in, in some regards. And I think this is a time that we should all be fighting for something. So that's the word of the year. So good. So good. I love the amount of intentionality that you have around it. And uh, not not just with the words that you choose, but um, you're also good at just reminding me to slow down every now and then mm. and just to rest. And I think it's one of your many strengths. Maybe that's your your peacekeeping nine Enneagram mm-hmm. trait. I yeah. <laughs> you're a huge inspiration. And it just happened. I I was like, I'm not going to listen to her talk about a word and then I'm going to choose a word. I think it's my cynicism and I think I'm going to now. I need to choose a word for 2019. I'll text you and let you know after I I figure it out. I can't wait. Maybe we'll do a poll for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, So much pressure that I feel now. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll try to make it public. Uh, Well, thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do at IJM. Gosh, at a national justice mission, I'm constantly bragging on you guys. And Mm -hmm. I mean, the stories that you are telling on the behalf of so many around the world are so important and needed. So thank you for your work and thank you for who you are and the example that you set for us. Yeah. Um, Have a happy new year. Thank you. You too, Harris. We are close to wrapping up the 2019 virtual pep talk, but we have one final legendary guest um, and he's been waiting in the wings. Um, His name is Kevin Carroll. For those of you who are at story 2018 this past year, um, you witnessed not only an amazing talk, but we have constantly been talking about this, um, you know, moment where he came out and kicked that stinging ball and somebody caught it in the balcony. Um, And I, I just, I can't believe it. So, Kevin, jump on whenever you'd like. In the meantime, 
Uh, let me tell you guys about a couple things really quick. Um, you guys can register for Story 2019 at story2019.com. The price increase goes up next Friday. It was supposed to be this Friday, and we decided to extend it um, because we haven't made that clear enough and communicated clearly enough. And when we don't do that, people don't just catch it on their own the website. People come back and go, I didn't know the price was going up. Can you go back and honor the old price? And so, yeah, so the price goes up next Friday at midnight. You do not want to miss the opportunity. It goes up by 50 bucks. Um, and so this is a good chance to save some money. And that's true for individual pricing as well as like uh, group pricing. So whether you're buying four tickets to get that additional savings or just an individual ticket, um, you got to be there. Um, if you enjoy learning from these types of people, people like Vera, and you want to go back and catch her talk, um, see Susan Blackwell's talk, performance, catch Donna Hahn's talk. That's all available on StoryCraft. You can go to storycraft.co. The Story Legacy video bundle, which is all of the talks, all of the videos from Story 2016, 2017, and 2018, um, they are all uh, on storycraft.co in a bundle together. That's usually $199, bucks, um, but you can get a great deal on those. $70 off, only available for a limited time. Use the discount code INVEST19, INVEST19, and then you can go back and relive story uh, from the past three years. There is a wealth of information. And as Susan was talking about earlier, maybe just take some of the time that you set aside. If you're like, I just don't have time to watch these talks, maybe invest in yourself in 2019. Just take 15 minutes less on social media, reallocate that time to watch one of the presenters from last year's conference or one of the previous years. So invest 19 for 70 bucks off. That's a pretty sweet deal. I'm told the website is back up. So you can go check that out. Storycraft.co invest 19. Um, the story podcast is coming back next week. You guys don't want to miss that. Season three, more content like you're hearing right now, as well as some brand new interviews. Unbelievable. Um, so that's going to be great. Story podcast. Don't forget, ticket prices go up. Usually we're not do this in a webinar. This is Kevin Carroll. Let me find out what's going on. Kevin, talk to us. Let's see if we can hear you. Can you hear me okay? So talk to us about uh, 2018. What'd you learn? What are you thinking about as you head into this new year? So 2018 crazy stuff happened. Some of the things that I think were most exciting for me were obviously story, the kick and the catch were legendary. Yes. Legendary. <laughs> right. And I actually got to actually visit the person who caught the ball, Mark Wagner from Google. Yes. I went to Google just uh, about a week and a half ago and actually we reconnected the kick and the catch reconnected. It was so amazing. We had a great time. And oh, by the way, what you're seeing behind me, I'm at Savannah College of Art and Design in Atlanta at the Atlanta campus. And so this is one of the industrial design classrooms. Drink it in. That, I think, was one of the biggest highlights. I heard, you know, so many people discuss that story and their experience with story. But I also got to share my um, art exhibit, um, The Art of Sport and Play, at the museum in Washington, D.C., and had the honor of interviewing Kobe Bryant at that event. But... More importantly, I got to donate the ball collection to the Aspen Institute after that event. Have you but been... I like what Vera said, we should do a pool to see if we can figure out what she'd say. I think that would be fantastic for sure. Yes, maybe yours should be magic. Uh, I feel like I've got that one down. I'm still learning about it, but... But you weren't in possession of magic until we met. Oh, that's a good point. That is a bold point, but that's a good point, Kevin. Like Vera, Kevin is all about a word for the year. He says he grades at the end of every day on whether or not he lives up to his chosen word. 
It helps make sure that he's active about it. And that's the difference between starting the year off with good intentions that just sort of fade away around February and a real focusing energy that'll carry you through to 2020. If you have any final advice for a whole bunch of storytellers, there's a few hundred of them listening to you right now, what would you say to them going into this new year? We are anxiously awaiting your arrival in 2019. So raise your game, raise your voice, level up. Don't talk about it, be about it, right? And I think it's so important to pay attention to your intention. Hear what I'm saying? Pay attention to your intention. How you do the little things is how you do all things. Let's go, Harris. Let's go. Get some magic. Get your kick. Let's be legendary, right? The kick and the catch. That's all I got to say about story, right? <laughs> I'm known for that. Dude, that's so good. Man, you're you're amazing. You're an inspiration. Uh, sorry about the technological it's issues. It's all good, dude. We, we, we make it do what we got to do. It's fine. <laughs> that's right. We'll catch up on the podcast. We'll do. We'll sit down. We'll do a legit interview or a video conference sometime. We're in the same room and uh, we'll let you keep inspiring people. Thank you for inspiring me. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you, man. Walk <laughs> down to Nashville. Kevin Carroll, ladies and gentlemen. Be well. <laughs> all right. See you, bro. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Kevin Carroll via FaceTime. That was like a weird matrix thing or something. It's like inception. It's like phone inside of phone inside of phone. Anyways, thank you guys for all that you do. Thank you for just your willingness to be a part of the story community. Um, yeah, none of this is fancy or polished. We try to do a great job with all the things we do at story, but as you can see, uh, uh in addition to the excellence where excellence is deserved, we try to just be laid back and roll with things like we with Kevin. So um, I hope this has served as a appropriate pep talk. It is virtual. We're not sitting in the same room, but it doesn't mean the value isn't there. Um, I'm reminded by the power of this community as we head into next year. I'm excited about all the stuff that we're going to create together as a community. I'm excited to see and hear from you guys in the future about what you're making. I get emails from you guys all the time. Um, that are just like, hey, just wanted to let you know, I just made this thing. Um, you know, a friend at Discovery in Knoxville, his name's Nick Pride, he came to Story this year. Didn't know this guy beforehand, works at Discovery Channel, sent me this thing, uh, made a short film, less than two minutes long that he just put on YouTube. Has nothing to do with his work at Discovery, made it, shared it with me because he was inspired by Story. I love that kind of stuff. So please feel free to send me what you're doing. We love knowing about what you're working on and the ways that Story is inspiring you. Keep the feedback coming. If there's any ideas or things that you want, we wake up every single morning to do this, not for the money, just to figure out how do we inspire storytellers to tell better stories. And so if there's anything that we can do, uh, to serve you guys better as a community, please don't hesitate to hit me up from all of us to the story team to you guys. Uh, we love you guys so much and I hope to see you at story 2019. We'll chat with you again soon. Thank you all so much for tuning in, for listening and for taking what you hear on this podcast and putting it to work. The work you're doing as storytellers matters so much more than you will ever know because of the ripple effect that stories have. So don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. I'm not kidding. We're continuing to up our game here at Story, and this third season of the podcast is going to be incredible. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single guest. And if you want to watch the full video recording of the entire virtual pep talk, it is still available for free for just a tiny bit longer. All you have to do is just go to Storycraft dot storygatherings.com slash pep talk. Uh, I know that's a long one, so let me say it again. Again, it's storycraft.storygatherings.com slash pep talk. 
I hope your 2019 is off to an incredible start. I hope you're doing awesome. I cannot wait to talk to you next time. I am Harris III. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.